Amen. Well, once again, good evening. Good to be with you this evening. And I want to begin by reading from Proverbs chapter 1, and we want to read verses 1 through 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. A couple of months ago, let me see, this is uh, June, so I think it would have been in April, uh, I got the word for the day from Moody Bible Institute. They sent out these monthly books to me. And uh, the subject, and I think it was April, may have been earlier in the year, but um, it was on Proverbs and wisdom. And it blessed me so much that I found myself returning to the Proverbs time and time again uh, to look at this subject. And so I want to share with you some of the insights that God has laid on my heart uh, from this uh, particular book. And so we'll begin by looking at Proverbs chapter 1. Verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise learn and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. Let's just pause for a moment, acknowledge the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look at our subject uh, this evening. Dear God, we thank You once again for allowing us to be here. Thank You for all of Your blessings to us. God, You are a great God, and You are wonderful to us. Just thank You for all of Your blessings on us, and Father, as we turn our attention to your word this evening, we just pray that you would be with us. Father, be with me. Strengthen my mind, my body, and my voice, and help me to declare the truth of Scripture in a very clear and understandable way. I pray, God, that you would prepare the hearts of everyone who is here to hear from you. So, Father, help us not to just be informed uh, this evening or entertained this evening, but to be challenged and inspired and enlightened, dear God, and terms of how we are to live in this world for you. So just bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just begin by asking you this hypothetical question. If God gave you the chance to make one request, what would it be? If he just said to you, you get one wish or one request, what is the number one thing you would ask God for? Well, as you think about that, I'm reminded of a, a funny story about a man who had that uh, opportunity on one occasion. A man was walking alongside a beach in California and suddenly the sky opened and God spoke to him from heaven and said, because you have tried to do the right thing in your life, I'm going to give you one request, anything you want. So the man thought about it and said, well, God, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly. Can you build me a bridge that would stretch from California to Hawaii? And then I could just drive over whenever I wanted to go. Well, God said to him, you know, your request is very materialistic. Uh, think about all of the concrete that it would take to build supports all the way to the bottom of the Pacific. Think about all of the natural resources that we consumed to grant your request. He said, I could do it. It's possible. But why don't you take a moment and think about something that would benefit all of mankind and not just yourself. So the man thought about it for a while. And then he said, oh, 
God, I know what it is you could do for me. I, like all men, would love to better understand our wives. Can you help me to understand what she's thinking and how she's feeling? Can you help me to understand what she means when she says nothing's the matter and yet I know something is? Help me to understand why does she give me the silent treatment? I'm sure we all would benefit from it if we could just understand our wives better. Can you do that for me, God? God immediately replied, do you want that bridge to have two lanes or four? <laughs> just a joke, ladies, so don't take it person personally. Well, <laughs> there is an instance in Scripture where God actually gave a man that opportunity. God asked King Solomon, as he was ascending to the throne, taking over for his father David, uh, what is it that you want from me? I give you one request, anything you want. Solomon could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for long life. He could have asked that he would conquer over his enemies all throughout his life. But as Solomon reflected on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to ask God for anything, you know what he asked for? He asked for wisdom. And God said because he asked for wisdom and didn't ask for long life, for wealth, or fame, or these other things, God was going to give him all of that and wisdom as well. And the scripture goes on to say that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Not only was he the wisest man who ever lived, but he was the wealthiest man for his time. In fact, people came from nations far and wide to just see the splendor of his kingdom. It was that magnificent. So because he asked for what was really important, God gave him that and other things as well. And that's why I want us to talk about tonight this idea of get wisdom. How important it is for us to have godly wisdom in our life. We live in a period often referred to as the information age. Technology has made information, you know, data much more widely available and more conveniently accessible to all of us. I wonder if you remember the time when you had to go to the library to look up something in a book. Huh? Or maybe you remember these things here, card catalogs. <laughs> that was before there was Google. And in any, many ways, we are a more informed society today than we've ever been before. But unfortunately, we're not a wiser society. We have a wealth of information, but lack the wisdom of God. Think about all of the things that man can do. We can send a man into outer space, but yet people don't know right from wrong. We need godly wisdom in our world. And what exactly is godly wisdom? This thing that we are to pursue. But godly wisdom is not intelligence. It's not book learning. It's not even common sense, although those things are very important as well. Godly wisdom is different. Here's what godly wisdom is. And I like this definition. Godly wisdom is understanding God's ideal of what's best for us. It's being armed or equipped with God's perspective on how we are to live in this world. What God wants us to do is to live in this world with his perspective, his understanding about how we are to live in this world, how we are to make decisions, how we are to live in relationship with people, just everything that we should do in our life. This is what godly wisdom is all about. And as I've said, we need godly wisdom, wisdom desperately. The God-given ability to understand how God intends for us to live our lives. Think of it this way. God created us. God created this world. God created us to live in this world. 
And God knows best how we are to do that. That's why we need His wisdom. That's why we turn our attention as well to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs contains a genre of scripture referred to as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature has been defined as truth applied to everyday life in practical ways. And I'm not sure if you've read through the Proverbs recently. And if you want to, you should, because there are 31 chapters, and uh, uh, the month of July does have 31 days in it, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> want to make sure of that. But you could read one chapter a day. It's packed full of such practical advice. Sometimes, as I read, reread through this recently, I was uh, struck at how practical and simple the Proverbs are. And the things that it touches on that really relate to just how we live our lives every day. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is revealed in the verses we read, verses 1 through 6, for attaining wisdom and discipline. In verse number 2, it says, this is what it's for, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. But then drop down to verse number 7, it tells us that the pursuit of wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, this lesson tonight is entitled, Get Wisdom. But what the Bible says is that as you think about getting, obtaining, acquiring godly wisdom, it begins with the fear of the Lord. That's where we start. Now we talk about the fear of the Lord. That might sound like a scary thing. <laughs> I mean, who wants to be afraid of anything? But when we talk about the fear of the Lord, this is not a bad thing. The fear of the Lord refers to a loving reverence and respect for God. This is a fear that draws us towards God, not repels us or draw, drives us away from Him. The best way I can explain this is to think of the kind of healthy fear that a child should have for a parent. Not the kind of fear where they are shaking in their boots and they're afraid to be around their parent, but the type of fear that they can have that says, I need to pay attention here. I need to respect and appreciate my parents. And I think in our society, some of that is being lost, where parents are thinking that they don't want in any way to have that kind of a, a relationship with their children. I can remember my own dad. I had a healthy respect for him. I had a certain amount of fear for Brother Osifa Starks. Not because he ever battered me or mistreated me, but because I knew that he meant business. And now when he said to do something, I better do it. I had a healthy respect for him, but it was a respect and appreciation for him that bonded us together. And that made me afraid of him and not want to be in his presence. So why is the fear of the Lord necessary? Why is this the beginning of wisdom? Well, because without a loving reverence and respect for God, we won't pay any attention to His Word. The things that God reveals to us in His Word and through His Spirit won't mean anything to us if we don't have a healthy respect and appreciation for who He is and for what He means to us. It's the same with the child and the parent. If a, if a child has no respect for their parent, nothing that parent says will matter. They'll tell them not to do something, they'll just ignore it. Or they tell them to do something, they'll just ignore it. Because they don't have any fear for Him. So that's what God wants us to have. This loving reverence for God and respect for His Word. So developing godly wisdom begins with this loving reverence for God and living in relationship with Him. Here's three things I want us to look uh, at what wisdom means. The first thing that we learn from the book of Proverbs is in chapter 2. Wisdom is worth diligently searching. Uh, look at Chapter 2 and verses 1 through 5. 
My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Notice the intensity of the language that's used here. Verse 2, turning your ear to wisdom. Verse 3, call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. Verse 4, look for it as if you're looking for silver. Search for it as for hidden treasure. All of these things really point out that wisdom is worth diligently searching after. And this doesn't mean that wisdom is hard to acquire. That you've got to search really hard and you may or may not get it. And it's kind of like, you know, effort you could put through and you just hope it works out. That's not what it means at all. It just means that it's worth the effort it takes to obtain it. Our pursuit of wisdom requires a diligent attentiveness in our life. You just don't come across it through happenstance. You don't just get wise because you get older. Wish it was that easy. But all of us know young people who are very wise. And then, unfortunately, I'm sure we all can think of people, have met people who were old but weren't very wise. This is something that you have to really pursue. Chapter 4 expresses this point. Turn with me just a page over to chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Again there, just notice some of the words used. Listen. Pay attention. Do not forsake my teaching. Wisdom is worth diligently searching after godly wisdom. Verse 7 says, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs everything you have, get understanding. This is what God says about the value and the importance of godly wisdom. Here's the next point about wisdom. God gives wisdom to those who search for it. That's why I was saying earlier that this isn't something that's it, just hard to acquire, but you have to diligently search after. But those who do, God gives it. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. The scripture promises that anyone who seeks wisdom and desires to have it, ask of God and God will give it generously. So that's very encouraging for us as we think about being armed, equipped with godly wisdom, with God's perspective of how we should live in this world. We can have the confidence to know that if we will apply ourselves to obtaining it, God will give it to us. He won't withhold it from us. But here's the thing about the wisdom that God gives us. God gives wisdom. To those who seek it, but the wisdom is for avoiding mistakes in our life. Not finding a way to avoid the consequences of our disobedience to God. You know, as I prepared this, I thought about the old expression, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Godly wisdom is about preventing us from making huge mistakes in our life. It's not about trying to get out of the consequences, avoid the consequences of the mistakes that we do make in our life. Unfortunately, if we ignore God's way and His will, if we override the leading of the Holy Spirit and get ourselves entangled in a mess in our lives, 
you know, even when we come to repentance, although God will forgive us and restore us, we still may have to suffer the consequences of our decision. That's why wisdom, especially for young people, is so, so very important. I think one of the biggest advantages that I've had in my life is that God blessed me to come to know Him as my Lord and Savior at a very young age. It has spared me from so many things. Now, I still messed up sometimes. I still did some things that I wish I hadn't. But I, God spared me from a lot of things growing up in a Christian home and in church and with a relationship with Him. This is what godly wisdom will do for you. Help us to avoid the mistakes in life. And then thirdly, Another point about wisdom is wisdom offers numerous benefits. I just mentioned one there uh, about how wisdom will protect you. And in fact, in chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. An individual who is equipped with godly wisdom will find it to be a huge defense in their life. Protecting them from making the wrong mistakes and getting involved in the wrong things. In chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Long life is in her hand, in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Did you know that godly wisdom can actually lengthen your life? That's one of the things the scripture says that is a benefit of godly wisdom. Now, when I talk about some of these benefits, it's important to note, though, that Although the Proverbs are inspired scripture, they're generally not commands or promises, but general truths or principles. Generally speaking, this is how things will work out. It does not mean that a person who dies young was foolish and a person who lives to be an old person was wise. But generally speaking, having godly wisdom will protect you and uh, allow you to live a longer life. I'm sure you guys have seen these reality TV programs. Where people are doing really crazy things, taking risks with their life, jumping off of stuff and, you know, doing all kind of crazy things. And sometimes I'm just, I don't like to watch those things to tell you for one thing. Because I don't understand why people would take unnecessary risk with their life. You know, just very, very foolish. But this is what wisdom will do for us. It would help to protect us and can actually lengthen our days. Some other benefits of wisdom, and I'll just run through these quickly. Wisdom teaches the benefit of hard work or diligence over laziness. Many of the Proverbs speak to that. Wisdom will help us to resolve conflicts that we have with people. Wisdom teaches us how to choose wise relationships. You know, our friendships, but also our spouses or people who get romantically involved with. Wisdom will aid us in good decision making. I remember my, my dad saying to me when I was young that the quality of your life is largely dependent upon the decisions that you make. You know, just think about all of the decisions that you've made in your life and how significant they can be. They can actually change the whole course of your life. If you think about the decision to go to school or college or what career you get in or who you marry or where you live, all kinds of things. Well, if we make the right decisions, if we're armed with God's perspective of how we should live, just think about how much better our decision making will be. Godly wisdom teaches us how to learn from our mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes in life, but the key is to learn from them. And again, I remember something my dad taught me. He would say often that there's two ways to learn in this world. You can learn from somebody else's experience, or you can learn from your own experience. 
And he said, Darnell, it's better if you learn from other people's experience. Learn from their mistakes. Don't go and make the same mistake yourself. But uh, how many of us are like the kid whose mother said, don't touch the pot because it's hot. And what do you have to do? had to see for himself. <laughs> My grandmother had an expression she often used to say, uh, boy, you don't believe fat meat is greasy. Okay, that's a down south uh, America's uh, <laughs> uh, saying. But what she was saying is you got to see it for yourself. But wisdom teaches us how to learn from other mistakes. Here's one that I'm sure many of us can attest to. Wisdom will teach us how to best use our money. Anybody wish they knew that younger in life? <laughs> Absolutely. How, how to manage our money and, and be better stewards of it. Uh, godly wisdom teaches us how to avoid and overcome temptation in our life. So we don't find ourselves in the same situation time and time again. But the most significant blessing from God's wisdom is this. Proverbs 8.35 says, For whoever finds me finds life and receive favor from the Lord. Again, that's why I've entitled this, Get Wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Solomon understood that. He could have asked God for anything, but he knew that he was, become, he was about to become the king of Israel. God's chosen people. And realized that it wasn't a big army that was most important. It wasn't a lot of money. You know, it wasn't long life. It wasn't even, God, give me um, victory over my enemies. He said, if I'm going to be able to do this job successfully, I'm going to need God's wisdom. And that's what he asked for. We must do the same in our life. That's what we want. We want godly wisdom. So how do we acquire that? How do we, how do we learn to be wise? Well, here's a helpful acrostic that... Um, well, at least I hope it will be helpful. Maybe I'm being a bit presumptuous. <laughs> but here's an acrostic that uh, deals with that. And it's based on LEARN. L-E-A-R-N. And the L stands for listen to God. The first key in learning to be wise is to listen to God. Spend time feeding your mind on spiritual things. God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. And we'll never have godly wisdom if we don't listen to Him. If we don't have a relationship with Him, we won't have godly wisdom. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then verse 105 of that same chapter, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God speaks to us primarily through His word. And the more acquainted we are with God's word, the more we'll understand the very heart of God and the very nature of God and can apply his wisdom to our life. But how much time do we spend listening to God? How much time do we spend listening to God through the sermons that are preached and the Bible studies that we do? Learn to listen to God. The next one. Enlist friends <clears throat> excuse me, who challenge you. The context in which wisdom is learned is relational. And it begins with the parent-child relationship. You know, where parents teach their children how to be wise in this world and how to live and make proper decisions. But then it goes on from there. The relationships that we have are so very important. And wise people want to be around other wise people. If we want to be strong Christians and have a strong faith and be a benefit to the body of Christ, we've got to associate with other believers. 
You know, we're called not just to believe, but to belong as well. So enlist friends who challenge you. Proverbs 12.26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As I said earlier about how that the quality of your life can be dependent on the, uh, the decisions that you make, to a large extent, the same can be said about our relationships. I mean, it makes a huge difference in our life who we choose to marry. It makes a huge difference in our life who we choose to be close to. The friends that we have, the people we spend the most time with in our life. Are these people that are challenging us and encouraging us, uh, spurring us on to good works, to loving good works, as the scripture says? Or are these people who drain our spiritual battery? I guess whenever I talk about Proverbs, I can't help but think about all of the lessons my dad said. So once again, I'll quote him. He used to tell me, Darnell, in every relationship, either you're influencing them or they're influencing you. And it's the same for all of us. In the relationships in our lives, are we influencing other people to be more like Christ or are they influencing us? Enlist friends who challenge you. And then lastly on this point, we want to make sure that the friends that we have around us are people who have the permission and the godliness to challenge us. You know, sometimes we, we may want to just be around people who are just always going to say nice things about us or never correct us or whatever, but that's not good. You need to have people in your life who know you well enough to tell you when you're wrong. The scripture says this, they say, it says that open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. We need to have people in our life who are not afraid to challenge us and let us know when we're wrong. That helps to keep us on the right track and helps us to learn to be wise. Here's the third one. Ask questions and accept correction. In other words, seek advice. Be open to new ideals. As we live our lives, we never want to get to the point to where we feel like we know it all. And nobody can tell us anything. You know, even today still, there are times I'll pick up the phone and call my mom and say, Mom, can you just, I just wanted to get your advice on this. I want to get your opinion about something. You know, because uh, there's a lot of things that I can learn even now from my mother. You know, because she's been my age, but I haven't been her age. You know, so she, she, there are things that I can learn from her. Proverbs 15 and 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. We want to be a people that seek advice, seek counsel from other people and never afraid. That, that's never a sign of weakness to admit, I don't know something. Or can you give me some advice? Or can you give me some help with something? Proverbs 12 and 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I thought that's very strong language for scripture. Yeah, but whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. You know, if somebody comes to us in love and, you know, say, I think you ought to consider this or here's some advice. Wise people listen to it. You know, now you may have the question, well, how do I know if the advice somebody has given me should be taken? Because sometimes people tell you things and it's just really hard to see that that is really godly advice. So how do you know the difference? Well, two scriptures come to mind. 
one scripture says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. If someone comes to you with a word and it's not based on scripture, you know, it doesn't seem to line up with God's word and what they're saying to you, no one else has confirmed in your life, then maybe you want to give a second thought to that. But if two or three people are telling you something and it's based on God's word, then we ought to really pay close attention to it. I had the experience with this when I was pastoring the Nazarene Church in Perth. There was a man in the congregation who gave me quite a hard time uh, from time to time. And on one occasion, um, he often you know, would have some questions or challenge some of the things I was preaching and teaching. And on one occasion, he told me, he said, you know, I, you don't have the gift of preaching. He said, when you preach, I get nothing out of your sermons. You know, he said, you do not have the gift of preaching and teaching. I don't know where you got that from. And he went on to say some other things. It was really quite harsh. <laughs> uh, but I just listened to him. And, uh, you know, uh, we were in a coffee shop when he finished. I just said, well, I, I disagree with you. But, you know, I appreciate your right to, to feel that way. And I went on. But one of the reasons I didn't take that to heart is because, you know, there's just been too many times when I've seen God use me. To be a blessing to people. So to let one person come along and to destroy my confidence and say you're just rubbish and you're not a good preacher. I wasn't going to do that. So if someone comes to you and sometimes people will be mean spirited or say things or, you know, in the sense of trying to give you advice. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But now if I was in that church and a number of people said that to me, then I'd have to give it some serious consideration, you know. But the other thing that comes to mind is the scripture says in 1 John to try the spirit to see if it is of God. And there's just something about his spirit and the way that he said that, that, that just didn't ring true with me. Now, I could see if he was a concerned brother and felt like I wasn't really exercising my gifts in the way that I should or that I could improve. But that type of person, you know what they would do? First of all, build a relationship with me. Because people want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. And not only that, but then demonstrate love to me. And say, you know what, Pastor? Clearly, you have a heart for God and I'm thankful for your ministry. But, you know, I just think maybe there's some things you could do to improve. Could I just share some thoughts with you or give you some advice? And in that kind of spirit, it'd be much more uh, in line with what God's word tells us we should be. So we want to be people that are open to uh, correction and instruction. But we need to make sure that we try the spirit to see if it's of God. Does that make sense? Here's the other thing we want to do. Remember and reinforce <clears throat> what you learn. Remember and reinforce what you learn. I thought about this. Um, th there's a type of memory that people have, an idyllic memory, which is not where they just, you know, have a photogenic uh, memory, but that just anything that they learn, they're able to recall it. I wish I had that. <laughs> How much stuff do we learn, do we take in, but then we, we lose it and we never, you know, can't, can't recall it and we need to. Well, what we want to do as we learn to be wise is not just be hearers, but to really apply it to our life and to remember and reinforce the things that we learn. Hebrews 2 and 1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. How many sermons have we sat under? 
How many Bible studies have we been in? How many times have we heard God speaking to us and it just goes in one ear and out the other? We want to really reinforce these things. And the way to do that is found in Ezra 7 and 10. Ezra 7 and 10 says, Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those laws and regulations to the people of Israel. And I've highlighted three words there. Study, obey, and teach. This is how you remember and reinforce the things that you learn from God. Uh, The first is to study it. That's when we first acquire this information. But to reinforce it, we've got to obey it. We've got to live it out. Nothing reinforces God's word in our life like living it out in our life day by day. And then to take it a step further, the things that God teaches you, don't just keep it for yourself. Teach other people. And this is what Ezra did. He first studied it. Then he lived it. And then he taught others it as well. And that's how we reinforce what we learn in our lives. And then lastly... This is the end and learn. Now do it. You know, all of the teaching in the world, you can have the best teacher the world has ever seen. The best preacher, you can read the Bible from cover to cover. But if we don't do it, what good is it? Now do it. And I like this graphic here because, yeah, we all know we should do it, but when should you do it? (laughs) Now. I went to a seminar Uh, many years ago now at Willow Creek Church uh, Bill Hybels congregation and the speaker was sharing some things with us and at the end of it he said it's important that you write down two or three principles you've learned today things you want to apply to your life and begin doing it tomorrow he said because if you don't start doing it tomorrow you never will Anybody here ever been to a seminar of some type? Maybe on your job or self-help seminar or, you know, life improvement, all these things. And you sit there and the speaker is dynamic and it's interesting and fantastic and they've got the booklet and, oh, it's just all nice. And you're taking all of these notes and you just page after page of notes and you just feel so excited. And then five years later, you're digging through an old box and you find that, that book hidden away there. And you realize as you look back over it that you never did anything with all that information you got that day. Maybe even spent 140 pounds on the seminar to go to it or something. And you, yet you, nothing. Why? Because if you don't act on it right away, you never will. So now do it. The other thing about doing it now is this. God doesn't bless good intentions. He blesses our efforts. You know, we're not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. So here's just what I want to finish up with. Get wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. You know, as we pursue things in life, we can, you know, our careers, our family, vacation homes, and just, you know, whatever it is that drives us. What the Bible wants to remind us of today is that as we seek to pursue something in life, make sure we're pursuing godly wisdom. Amen? What a difference it will make in our lives as we become even more equipped with God's perspective on how to live. Imagine every decision you have to make being able to see that decision from God's point of view. You know, everything that you do in your life, being able to understand this is how God wants me to live my life. 
That's what godly wisdom is all about. Amen. Well, let me just close in prayer and then I hand over to Graham. Dear God, thank you so much for the lesson tonight. Thank you for how you just impress upon us that in all the things we pursue in our life and all that we may be doing, get wisdom. Though it costs everything we have, get understanding. And God, we do need your wisdom. Father, we need your wisdom as church leaders to know how to lead a congregation. We need your wisdom to God as preachers and teachers to be able to expound the truth of your word. We need your wisdom even in our homes to God to be husbands and wives and parents to our children. Father, we need your wisdom as we work and live in this world in terms of being a light to this lost and dying world. So Father, I just pray that you would impress upon us this evening the importance and the value and the need for us to seek after your wisdom with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Father, help us as we learn from you to reinforce these things and apply it into our lives so that we'll be the people you're calling for us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.